Thank you, Jenny. That was a beautiful song. Wasn't that beautiful? So encouraging. You know, he knew us long before we were saved and he had mercy on us. He knew our needs. He knew how lost we were, how hopeless we were. And the Savior came to save us. And that is something that we can sing about for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity. Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're just so thankful for what you have done for us. And we thank you that we have another opportunity to read from your word today. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will take the word and speak to our hearts and, and show us wonderful things from your law, Lord. And we pray that we can take home a portion, a blessing that we can all be encouraged by. And we just pray, Lord, that you would teach us and speak to us by the Holy Spirit. And we just pray now that you'll hide me behind the cross, that the words that are spoken will be your words, Lord, and that will touch hearts as only you can, Lord. And so we commit this time to you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we can be assured of two things in life. One is that when God can, what God considers valuable and desirable, the world will consider it undesirable. That is a given thing. And that which God considers valuable, the world will consider the opposite. So we know that's true. And that's why God has given us his word, because down through the centuries, down through the tests of time, He's given us these principles, the word of God, that is always there for us. It never fails because Jesus never fails. His word never fails us. And we have so much to be encouraged upon. We can count on it. You know, we don't have to say, well, I've got to get the new edition because there's new truths in the new edition that's not in the old edition. No, we have different versions. Yes, but it's the same word of God. It was God-breathed. It was given by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it will always stay the same. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. We can count on it. He is faithful. The title of our message today is What God Considers Precious. You know, precious is not a word that you hear in normal everyday conversation very often at all today. The only time you hear it is among God's people because our Lord is very precious to us and we have so many things that are precious to us. The dictionary defines precious as of a great price or value, costly, of great desirability, held in high esteem, beloved, dear. You know, sometimes you do hear things called precious metals, like you have gold, you have silver, you have platinum, which is even more costly than any of the others. And you have all these different precious metals. And sometimes we consider our loved ones, our husbands, wives, our children, our family members, our close friends as precious to us. We love them so much we call them precious ones. And so that is a blessing to us to consider that God is precious to us and he considers us precious also. You know, I really like that MasterCard ad. You see it on TV quite a bit. And they'll, they'll have a commercial and they'll talk about all these things and how much they cost. This thing, it costs $55. And this thing costs $74. The other thing, it costs $105. And then it mentions one last thing and it says, priceless. And that's the way things are that God gives us that are precious. You can't put a monetary price tag on it. 
because it means too much to us. And there's things in the Scripture that God considers precious and we should consider them precious also. And it's interesting, if you do a word search on the word precious, you'll find that many of the references to the word precious are found in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Interesting, isn't it? The old salty fisherman, Peter, the one who became a fisher of men and a great apostle and bondservant of the Lord Jesus is the one who uses the word precious because it is a great word for us as Christians. And today we're going to look at five things that are considered precious by God and we can rejoice in this morning. Number one, Christ is precious. Number two, his blood is precious. Number three, our faith is precious. Number four, the promises of God are precious. And number five, the saints of God. You and me are precious in God's sight. So may the Lord encourage us today about the word precious. It's found in the passage that I'm going to read three times. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and begin reading at verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 1. Two, I should say, I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Here Peter writing to the saints that were distributed abroad, mostly the Jewish uh, brothers and sisters spread out, as it says in chapter 1, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And now in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of a stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. May God bless the reading of his word today. Jesus Christ is precious. He's precious to the Father. He's precious to us. And everyone who knows Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. He is precious. He's the chief cornerstone. You know, when you go to buy a house, you better be sure that you have a good foundation. I was just talking to a man today and I had talked to him several months ago and he called back again the other day because he became delinquent on his mortgage. And he was telling me the story about he bought this house up in Benicia and this house has foundation problems, structural problems. And now nobody wants to buy it. They have a lawsuit going with the builder and it's a big mess all because they didn't do the job properly. They didn't lay the foundation properly. And if you have the greatest life in this world, all the money, all the power, success, everything you could possibly want, but you don't have Christ, you don't have the foundation. You don't have eternal life. You will not make it. 
And that's why the Lord says here that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And He is precious to us because we build our life on Him. The Scripture says, On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And that's why the Father testified of the Son when He was baptized, coming up from the waters of baptism. He said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Yes, the Father found all His delight in the Son. And He is the great cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And you know, if you have Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone of your life, nothing will phase you, nothing will raise you, and nothing will daze you when you have Jesus in your heart. Isn't that true? I mean, we may get bumps and bruises and scrapes and we may go through some hard times and difficulties and things like that. But the Lord is with us and He is going to see us through. He's the chief cornerstone. You know, this world is full of pain, full of uncertainty and full of fear. But when we have the Lord, He's always near. He's always there. And we can count on the Lord. And it's interesting that Peter's other name in Scripture is Cephas, which means a stone. He was the little stone, and Jesus Christ is the massive rock. And so, that's why when the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, which is Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can't we thank the Lord for that today in 2009? I mean, the church is under attack today as probably never before. People do not believe in Jesus. They do not want the truth of the Scripture. And somebody told me on Friday night, I didn't hear it myself, that our president said that that America is no longer a Christian country, that we're just a collaboration of all different religions and peoples all under one umbrella. Wrong! As long as we're alive and believe in Christ... And He is our cornerstone. He is our life. Let's never give up the fact because this country was founded on the Word of God and we have to keep it that way. We have to pray for our nation, really, daily. And our president and all the leaders because we are in troubled times and the devil is attacking the nation. And we have to stand firm for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, He's precious to us. And I love that hymn that says, Sweeter as the days go by, Sweeter as the days go by, richer, fuller, deeper. Jesus' love is sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. And I think every Christian who knows the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning can say that. With every passing day, with every passing month, with every passing year that we know him, he becomes sweeter and more precious to us. And so it gets under our skin when we hear people use his name in vain or malign our Savior in some particular way. May the Lord help us to have Christ as the main focal point, this precious one in our lives. Yes, He is precious. And remembering the definition that I read, we can ask ourselves these questions. Is He of a great price or value to us? Is He of great desirability? Do we hold Him in the highest esteem? You know, the Lord Jesus told a parable about a man, a merchant man who went out and found this great pearl of great price. And so it says he went and sold all that he had and came and bought that pearl of great price. And that is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for us. We are that pearl to him. He went and purchased us 
so that we could be his people, we could be with him forever. Yes, he is precious. A lot of people in the world today, they don't understand that. Talking about Jesus as being precious, I don't understand it. Because it's only as you accept him in your life as your personal Lord and Savior can he really be precious to you on a one-on-one individual basis. So Christ is precious. Secondly, his blood is precious. Can you think of anything more precious in the world today or in heaven than the blood of Christ? There's nothing more precious, nothing more powerful than the blood of Christ because his blood can wash away all our sin. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 18 and 19. It talks about the blood. We read this sometimes at the breaking of bread and it's one of my favorite portions on the blood. And we'll read it together today. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Yes, his blood is precious. That's why John could say in 1 John 1, 7, he said, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Does that say some sin? No. Most of sin? No. All sin. And that's really encouraging to us. There's not a sin that cannot be forgiven if we come to Him in sincerity of our faith and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, He'll wipe the slate clean and give us new life. His blood is powerful. I love that song we sing too at the breaking of bread. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that because we sin. We have the old nature and we say, Lord, please forgive me. And as soon as we do that, he restores us to right relationship with himself and he reminds us it's gone. It's gone. It's washed away in the blood. It's forgiven. He forgives us of our past sins, our present sins, and even our future sins that we will commit. It's all under the blood. And I love that. It's so precious. It's such a blessing. And in the Old Testament... Remember back in the days of the Passover where they had to take the blood and they put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses. And then when the angel of the Lord came by, he saw that blood and he passed over that Israelite's house and did not kill the firstborn. He killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. And I thought about that. What a blessing that was. And I read a story. It's a Jewish legend, but believe me, it's such a great story of a family living during the days of the Passover. And their daughter was ill and she was on her bed and she knew that Moses had given instructions that they were to take the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. It was a matter of urgency, a matter of huge importance. It had to be done. And as the night came where the Passover was coming, she said to her father, Father, has the blood been put out on the doorpost and on the lintel of our house? He said, hush, child. I have given an order for it to be done. The night keeps going on. It gets later in the evening. She's still curious about whether this has happened because it's very important. It's crucial. So she says once again, the same words to her father. Has this been done? He says, hush my child. Same thing. It's been taken care of. Finally, it's getting close to midnight. 
right to the nick of time because at midnight the angel of the Lord was going to strike every firstborn son and firstborn animal of the Egyptians. And only the Israelites would be saved if they had the blood out on their house. So finally she says to her father, Father, I've been troubled about this all night. You've got to take me. Carry me. Let's go out now to the front of the house and let's make sure that that blood is there. It's too important not to. He says, okay. So he carries her out and much to his shock and chagrin, he found that the blood had not been put on the house. He had ordered it to be done. He had asked the servant to do it, but it wasn't done. So he hurried back into the house got the hyssop brush and poured the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel and they were all saved. Saved at the nick of time, at the last minute. So many people today think, oh, I've got plenty of time. I'm so young. And you know, I consider myself very young. I'm going to have my 52nd birthday this week, but I, I consider myself very young. We're all very young here. But really, when you think about it, the time clock is running. And none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know when the time of our death may come or when the rapture may come. And I really like this little girl and the story of this, of this Jewish legend because she didn't want to take it for granted that the blood was there. Nobody should take it for granted. You may think, oh, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian country. I know all about Jesus. But do you have him in your heart? Have you accepted him into your life? Do you believe that he died for you and rose again? Have you taken him as your personal Lord and Savior? That little girl was really concerned, and we should be concerned today, that we don't walk out those doors unless Jesus is in our hearts. That is so crucial and important. It's not too late. You can do it today. His blood is precious. His blood will wash away all your sin. You may think, well, I've done some pretty bad sins. You don't know what I've done. God does. And he says, I forgive you. I forget it. I wipe it clean through the blood. And that is such a blessing. So Christ is precious to us and his blood is precious. The third thing is precious is found in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Our faith is precious. Notice what Peter says about our faith here in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. He says, in this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, knowing that the genuineness of your faith, and listen to this, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is precious. It really is. God looks down upon earth and he sees here in San Ramon today, those believers that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, that's precious faith. Because we can't see the Lord. Notice what he said in verse 8 in that chapter. He says, whom having not seen, you love. Though you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You know, I could ask you this question, and I know I'd get a 100% answer on it. How many have seen Jesus with your eyes, your natural eyes? None. But how many have seen him with the eyes of your heart? Hopefully everybody here has done that. And it's precious faith. And the Lord looks down. One of the scriptures that's really amazing in the New Testament in the Gospels, it says, when the Son of Man returns to earth, will he find faith on earth? Wow, I don't know. You go to San Francisco, you go over to 
Europe, you go to South America. Will he find faith? There'll always be a few. There'll always be that remnant of people that believe in the Lord Jesus, stand firm with him till the end. Let us be among those who do that. You know, the Lord wants to grow our faith. He wants to strengthen our faith. And sometimes we pray for that, don't we? And the scripture says in Hebrews 11:6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God considers our faith so precious that he's going to reward us for that faith because we believe, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, someone once said, little faith will bring your soul to heaven. Great faith will bring heaven to your soul. And it's so true. All it takes is a little faith, a little like the size of a mustard seed to get saved. And then once you get saved and accept Christ, he'll build your faith. He'll grow your faith. You'll be like Arnold Schwarzenegger with faith. You know, you'll be like the muscle people you see on TV with faith. That's the kind of faith the Lord wants us to have. But you know, it's really easy to have faith when the sky is blue and the sun is shining, when the sea is smooth like glass and when the wind is calm. But when the storm arises and you get a serious disease or illness or you have an accident or you have a financial reversal, you lose your job or something like that, it's much tougher to rejoice, much tougher But our faith in the Lord is so important that we cling to Him. We don't let go, no matter what we go through. And I read a story that I thought was really a blessing. It says, A traveler crosses a frozen stream in trembling fear one day. Later, a teamster drove across and whistled all the way. I like that. Great faith and little faith alike were granted safe convoy. One had the pangs of needless fear, the other all the joy. And when I read that word teamster, I thought you could put a little caveat in there. That teamster is a Christian and he works for GM or Chrysler. I mean, those people are on the line. Their jobs are on the line. Many of them lost a job. How can you whistle all the way? How can you rejoice all the way across that frozen stream? How can we make it all the way through life with all that we have to go through? The reason is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our faith in Him. It's not faith itself that saves. It's the faith in the right object. Our faith is in Christ. You know, you can go on an airplane and you say, I've got all the faith in this world and this plane. This is a great jet and we have a great pilot and great crew and everything. And I have faith that we're going to take off and land safely and that plane could crash and, and burn and be destroyed. Now, you had all the faith. What's the difference? But the plane was defective. Jesus Christ will never be defective. He's the object of our faith. We can rely on Him and put our trust in Him and know He will save us forever. He will carry us through life's trials and difficulties. He will be with us. Someone said, faith is a laboratory course, not a lecture course. I really like that. Faith is a laboratory course, not a lecture course. Faith is down right where we live. You can't just have faith on Sunday when we come and dress up nice and greet each other in the name of the Lord and have a good time of fellowship and then go to work and let it all disintegrate. No, we have to have the same faith on Sunday, on Monday. Oh, Monday? Mm. Faith on Monday. Faith on Tuesday. Faith on Wednesday. It's getting better. Faith on Thursday. Faith on Friday. 
faith on Saturday. We have to have the same faith, the same commitment to the Lord. It has to be a genuine faith. Notice what Peter says in verse 7 of chapter 1. He says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. It's a genuine faith. It's not about pretense. It's not about hypocrisy. It's about a real, living, growing, dynamic faith that the Lord wants us to have. And we have to increase our faith every day of our life. But you say, well, how am I going to increase my faith? If I pray today, Lord, increase my faith, what's the Lord going to do? He's going to increase my trials. So if you pray for increased faith, the only way to get it is to have increased trials. And then if we say, Lord, I want my faith to be stronger, the Lord says, okay, Cindy, you want your faith to be stronger? I'm going to make you weaker in your physical self so I can show you my strength through you. So you want a stronger faith? You want a, you want a more increased faith? God's going to have to send the trials and send the weakness and the difficulty. And I found as I go get older, I have the aches and pains, the different things going on. And I'm thankful because the Lord is humbling me to say, you have to rely on me. You know, when we're young, we're happy-go-lucky. We think we can do it. We can run marathons. We can, we can play sports. We can do all those things. But Dave, I think we're learning, aren't we? We can't do it like we used to. I wish I could, but I can't do it. And you get injuries and you get weary. And, but thank God that our faith is in the Lord and He is good. So, we have Christ is precious. His blood is precious. And our faith is precious. Number four is the promises of God are precious. The promises of God are precious. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. This whole message was really born out of the Scripture memory class because we were memorizing 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And so I was adding some verses to it and I wanted to, to do them all together because the context of this whole thing Ahead of these verses is verses 3 and 4. So I started memorizing those too. And then we had another extra week before the class, so I was adding more and more to it. But I was so blessed and I went to DMV and I didn't have an appointment, but I had to go that day because I took off from work to do dental appointment with, with my wonderful new dentist, Dr. Deepfee, and DMV. And the dentist was a better appointment. No, I'm... <laughs> but praise God. So here I am at DMV and I've got some extra time on my hands. So I had my Bible and I'm memorizing this verse and I keep going. And then I had to go in for Kaiser for my eye the following Sunday after that, after church. And so I went in again. I was working on this message and this word precious just kept coming to me and I was so blessed by it. And it says here in Second Peter 1, 3 and 4, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, God gives us His Word. He gives us commandments to obey, and we obey them, and we're blessed. He gives us principles to live by, We read them, we study them, meditate on them, we put them into practice in our lives. And the other thing that he gives that is so incredible is he gives us promises. And we all know that when God gives a promise, he sticks by it. He sticks to it. 
Sometimes in life we may make a promise and we may break our promise. Or somebody else may make a a promise to us and they break the promise. God does not break His promises. He keeps them. And He's got a lot of promises to keep. And He's done it perfectly thus far. And He will continue to keep His promises. Yes, we notice here that Peter does not just say promises, but he says great promises. And he doesn't just say great promises, but he says exceedingly great promises. And he doesn't just say that, but he says exceedingly great and precious promises. That is incredible to me. You know, you can take a verse of Scripture that has a promise in it, and you can claim it for your life and pray over it and get such encouragement to keep going, to keep battling, to keep enduring. And it's so beautiful. God's promises are meant to show His love for us and His power for us in our lives. And we thank the Lord for that. And there are precious promises throughout the Word of God. I read a story that happened in 1979 to a lady by the name of Verna Bowman. And Bowman. And she gave birth to her fourth son named Jeff. Now, we have several Jeffs in our assembly, although he spelled his name G-E-O-F-F. Jeff. Little baby Jeff was born, and as soon as he was born, the doctors discovered that his kidneys were defective. You can imagine coming in and telling this mother and the father and the family, little Jeff's kidneys are defective. You know, when that happens, it's sometimes fatal. But they rushed him off to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, and while the mother was there in the hospital. She was still in the hospital while they whisked away the, the little boy, little Jeff, little baby Jeff. She prayed. And while she prayed, the Lord burdened her heart and gave her John chapter 11, verse 4. And this was her promise that she claimed. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. She wrote down those words. Later, her husband, her husband called from the other hospital in Philadelphia to report on the condition of the little baby. And she said, well, it's too early to tell whether he's going to make it or not. But she said to her husband, God gave me a promise. He's going to make it. He's going to live. He's going to survive. I believe it. And he said the same words. I believe it too. I believe it's going to happen. So, after three months of treatment and dialysis, his kidneys began to function and this little baby started to become a child and grow up. And Verna was so thrilled and so happy that God had answered this prayer and helped her little son to do much better that she started to take other promises that God gave and wrote those down too. So now she's got a nice little list here of all the promises of God that God had given her and that He had fulfilled to her. Well, then at the age of 13, Jeff started to have some further trouble and the doctor said he needs to have a kidney transplant. At the age of 13. And Verna herself decided to donate the kidney. The mother donated one of her kidneys to let her son live. And it's such a blessing that he was able to grow up and live a normal life, this little baby Jeff. And so then his mother and his sister were talking about how God had been so faithful and they had had so many promises that over these months and years during his illness that they had seen God work in such a tremendous way they decided to make a quilt and they made it in such a beautiful coloring and, and they put all these verses on it, starting with John 11:4 and all the other verses that they had seen worked out in their life. And they took the quilt and they hung it up 
in their house. Well, they were blessed by it, of course, but other Christians came and saw it too. Oh, I wish we could have this maybe down at the local church, down at our church. Sure. So they took it down from the house and they took it to the local church. And then all the saints in the local church were blessed having that quilt with all the promises of God and knowing that God loved little baby Jeff and Verna and the, and the husband and all the family. And, and then that wasn't enough because there were Christians, other Christians in the community that heard the story and they were blessed. And so they took that quilt and passed it to other local churches in the community and they were blessed. You know, when we take the promises of God and there are so many in the Word and we claim them and we live by them, we get blessed and we can bless other people too. Yes, when God gives us a promise that we can claim, it is such a great thing. I think I mentioned it a few years ago. There was a man named Dr. Everick R. Storms that spent a vast amount of time on the promise, studying the promises of God. And he researched it and he said, I have found out that there are 8,000 810 promises in the Bible. And they said, well, how, did you, how do you know that, doctor? He said, because I counted them one by one. I think we can be pretty safe to say that he was accurate because that is what you call an exhaustive study of the, of the scriptures, of the promises of God. That works out, my beloved brothers and sisters, to approximately 24 promises for every day of the year found in the word of God. You don't have to look very far. You can start in Genesis and then work your way all the way through Revelation. Look for the promises. They even have the Promises Bible that has all the list of promises found in the Scripture. And they're all exceedingly great and precious promises. That really encourages me. No matter what I'm going through in life, I can claim the promises of God and I can know that He is with me and He considers these promises. And we should as well. Very, very precious. And then finally, the fifth point today is the saints of God are precious to him. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. The saints of God are precious to him. You know, God loves everyone. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves everyone, now, regardless of race, color, creed, language group, wherever you're from. He loves you. But when you get saved and accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your savior, you're part of the family. You become precious to God. I become precious to God. And that's the amazing thing. A sinner like me with a background like mine, with my life, he considers me precious. Yes, he considers us precious. And that is such a blessing. But look over here at the, at the lifestyle of these Christian women Peter is talking about. He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, notice, which is very precious in the sight of God. When he talks about these dear saints, these dear women in the scriptures, he said they have a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And you may say, well, that's fine, Dean. Maybe half the audiences are, are, are women. But what about us as men? It shows me too, even as a man or a woman, whoever you are, God considers you and I precious. He's more concerned by the inner man than he is about the outer man. Do you notice our society is the opposite? 
we have to get the 24-hour fitness membership. We have to, we have to look good with the Armani suits and we have to have the Italian leather shoes and we have to look good and we have to have the best cars and all of that. It's all on the outward. The Lord is more concerned on what's inside you, what's inside me. He looks at the heart and that is what's very dear and precious to him is that we have a spirit which is right with God, that our character is right with him. You know, God is concerned more about the inside than the outside, more concerned about our character than even about our conduct. And he's more concerned about our lives than he is about our words. We have to back it up. Dr. Stanley was talking about that this morning in his message about teaching our kids and teaching them the word of God. It's fine, but you've got to live it. You can't teach your kids if you don't practice it because the kid's going to say, he's teaching me this, she's teaching me that. I don't see it in their life. It will be a zero lesson. But when the parent teaches what they are practicing themselves, they are blessed. And it all starts with our inner self. We have to be close to the Lord. He loves us so much. We're so precious to Him. You know, it says in Scripture, and we've mentioned it many times, He counts the number of hairs on our head. And it also says He counts the number of tears in His bottle. Can you imagine? Some of us have bigger bottles than others. Like the Hyde, Hyde family, Mike, you've got a, <laughs> a big bottle that the Lord collects every Hyde tear in, right? He does that for every one of us. That's how precious we are to the Lord. And you say, well, Lord, do you care about what I'm going through right now at work or in my personal life or my marriage or my situation? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because you're precious to him. He cares for you. He cares for me. He wants to be involved in our lives. The Lord must get very sad when he looks at me and he says, Dean's trying to figure it out. I'm watching him. He's trying to figure out a solution to this. He's not going to get one. He's only going to get confused. He's only going to get discouraged. He's only going to get frustrated. I could help him. I could bring him that solution. And then finally, when I do come and say, Lord, I need your help, he's always there patiently. He doesn't come to you and say, you should have come to me right away. Why did you wait so long? Why did you try to do it yourself? Can't you get it through your thick head, Dean? That No, he's so patient. He He's ready. As soon as we make the first step to him, he comes to us, puts his arms around us, says, I love you. I know you're going through this. This is hard, but I've been through harder. I went to the cross for you. I died for you so that you could have life and have eternal life. That's how precious we are to the Lord. I love that little song that says, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loved you and I so much that he left heaven to come down, to die on the cross, to then go back to heaven, to sit down at the right hand of God and intercede for us, give us the Holy Spirit, give us his word, his promises and all the resources we need. Like it says in scripture that we read, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us that all these things. And then one day he's going to come back to take us home. But think about it for a moment. Am I that important to God? Does he value me that much? Does he care that much for me? Yes, he does. And there's an amazing verse. I'd like you to turn to it because I love this verse so much. It's Psalm 116 and verse 15. It's one of the references to precious in the Old Testament. 116th Psalm, verse 15. 
This is how precious we are to the Lord. If we had any doubt, this verse dispels any doubt. Psalm 116, verse 15 says this. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Did you ever think about that? That you're so precious to the Lord that when the time comes for them, for you to die and go to be with the Lord, the Lord is going to stop heaven and take notice of it. That's what it means. He's going to put heaven on hold for that moment because he loves us that much. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones or of his saints. That's how much he cares for us. That's how precious we are to the Lord. You know, many people die in the world today and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the millions all the time. But when one saint dies, when one saint goes to be with him, the Lord takes notice of it. He loves that saint so much. He loves us so much. We can be thankful for that. We can thank him for his love. We can thank him for his care and how he considers us Precious to him. So to sum up, let's remember that what God values as important is not going to be valued as important to the world. And what the world values as important is not going to be valued that way by God. But God considers certain things precious. Christ is precious. He should be the most precious to us. Oh, we love our families. We love our mothers, our fathers, our kids, our wives, husbands, and so forth, friends. But Jesus should be the most precious because he's our God. He's our Savior. And then secondly, let's remember how precious his blood is. His blood was shed to wash away our sins. And let's remember also that our faith to him is precious. It's a precious faith. It gets tested. It gets tried through the fires of affliction of life, but it comes forth like gold. And then let's remember also his promises are precious. Let's go home and as we read the Word of God, let's look for the promises there. Let's look for the things that encourage us to keep walking, keep growing and serving Him. And then let's remember that we are precious to God. That's the thing that totally blows me away about the whole message on precious is that He considers me precious. He loves me with all my flaws, with all my weaknesses, with all my sins. He loves me. He died for me. And we can be thankful for that. And I'd just like to ask you one more time this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if He's not precious in your life, if you don't know Him in a personal way, today you can do that. You can accept Him. You can say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have messed up my life. I have blown it. I have done wrong in your sight, Lord. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And you know what? That's the promise. That when we ask, He will answer God answers that prayer, the sinner's prayer, 100% of the time. Every time. And when we pray and ask Christ into our life, He'll come in right now. He'll, He'll not say, well, let's do a probationary period. Let's see if you're really serious. And then maybe I'll come into your life and be your Savior. No, He says, come as you are. Come right now. Like Billy Graham, He invites them to come from the very top of this Colosseum and come down and get saved. You can do that today. Don't leave the building without receiving Jesus. And if you're here and you already received Him as your Savior and He's precious to you, rejoice in all the promises and all the Word of God that we have to encourage us. And may the Lord bless us. Shall we bow our heads and close in prayer? Father, we're so thankful that our Lord Jesus Christ is precious. Precious to You. Precious to us. Precious to every believer. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for being that chief cornerstone that we can build our lives on and have an eternal future and destiny through you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood is precious, that it wasn't silver or gold or any corruptible things that were the, that was the price that was paid. It was your precious blood. And the blood alone washes away every sin. And we thank you that our faith to you, Lord, is precious. We pray that you'll grow our faith, that you'll strengthen our faith, even through the difficult trials of life, Lord. Please don't answer our prayers to take away the trial until you grow our faith to where it should be. And Lord, we thank you that we're precious to you, Lord. And we thank you that you love us so much. And we're so rejoicing in that. We commit this time now to you and pray you'll take us safely home. Bless the move this afternoon for all those who are helping. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.